0: Hello, welcome to the Tax Stories. Stories of people dealing with tax from all over the world. In today's episode, I will speak to my colleagues from and Law Firm in Estonia, our main tax guys Tanel Molok and Kaido Kunapas. We will talk about hobbies, of course, tax authorities, why they are and how they are so business friendly. About startups, Kaido thinks that the only way for a small country to get bigger is to support IT business that does not recognize physical borders. Of course, about the cultural differences between the Baltic states and tax disputes and tax fraud. So stay tuned, here we go. Today in our episode, we have our uh, guys from uh, Soren and law firm from uh, Soren and tax practice Tanel Moloch and Kaido Kunapas. Shortly introduction about Tanel. Uh, I understand that Tanel was uh, having his LLM in Amsterdam. From Kaido, I, uh, LinkedIn profile I can see that you're master of laws and uh, you you are doctor of law and. Taxation. You have been 10 years as a lawyer with the tax authorities and now more than eight years with Zorainen. You're father of how many children? Four?
1: Four, yes.
0: Is it difficult to be father of four?
1: I think uh, not uh, worse uh, or more difficult than being father of two because I for a long time had two kids and uh, with the two smaller ones uh, I haven't noticed that things uh, have gone uh, worse. Maybe that's because the kids have good characteristics and uh, good genes. Mm -hmm. So they're like good to hang out with and not, uh, not too pretentious. In that sense, I, I wouldn't say that being father of four is uh, really bad. Uh, some parents with one kid are definitely in more trouble than I am with the four kids. I think with many kids is that they can play uh, along uh, each other and don't need so much attention, maybe.
0: I agree. I was born in a family of five, and I can say the same, that kids were taking care of each
1: other. You cannot forget them, of course.
0: <laughs> now, Kado, you are, I see, having your doctoral thesis on... Preventive measures securing the payment of taxes before determining the tax liability. So what the hell is that?
2: Yes, I (laughs) decided to write about that. And one judge had exactly the same comment. (laughs) Why the hell are you (laughs) writing about this one? So yeah, basically it was about um, if tax authorities have a hunch that somebody may have not paid uh, his or her taxes, then they can already freeze the bank accounts and... Uh, put some liens on real estate and so on so even without having a clear understanding whether there is any tax liability or not so that's uh, that's a thing you can see a lot in uh, civil court procedures where, where similar measures are, are used I was so uh, astonished that uh, we had like hundreds of rulings on that every year in the court practice and and it was uh, like a mystery how judge, judges try to evaluate how and when you have Allowed to apply that kind of stuff, so I, I looked into it and got like tens of different uh, standards and <laughs> and rules and formulas because yeah, very <laughs> messy stuff. And
0: then I see you are giving lectures now in uh, Tallinn University of Technology. So
2: what do you teach? I actually give lectures in two universities, uh, both largest uh, law faculties in Estonia, Tartu and Tallinn University. Um, Responsible for uh, law and business, uh, basically, and then economics. So I have taught domestic tax law, international tax law, civil procedure, law, administrative procedure, law, bankruptcy law, international sales law, uh, international wow. environment of uh, business law, more things like that. <laughs>
0: Okay, okay. you have difficulties of grabbing the interest of uh, your students on tax law matters?
2: With nowadays students you have to be interactive. Lectures cannot be as lectures as we are often uh, often used to in Estonia. It has to be more of a communication and it's it's basically all about bringing interesting examples which touch everybody so even vat can be explained really easily you have five euros and uh, then you make circles with that money together with students (laughs) everybody understands
0: how about your hobbies guys uh, and passions
2: I think my, my hobby is uh, changing hobbies, as my wife says. <laughs> but for last four years, I think I have been practicing a lot of break dancing. Wow! No, no, it's uh, Olympic uh, Olympic sport. If you don't know, so it's uh, in uh, Paris Olympics games, <laughs> and so... it's it's coming very very popular. and Currently, <laughs> I'm involved in trying to build up uh, the community in Estonia and so on. So. And, and it's the, part the best the Olympic team.
0: <laughs> yeah,
2: it's the earliest building Olympic team now as well. It's of course very difficult sport, but if I would have a child, then I think I would recommend to have that kind of sport. So it's it requires strength, flexibility. Some music feeling or a bass feeling. I I
0: play golf and uh, the day before yesterday I made hole-in-one and uh, I know how to measure golf, but how to measure breakdance.
2: Basically, uh, that's the issue with dances and that's the issue why ballroom dances are not in the Olympics. But in a breakdance you have basically different poses and freezes and moves which have different level of difficulty. So basically the more difficult stuff you do, the higher points you can get. But there are are basically 10 different, more or less 10 different things which are measured when the points are given, starting from listening how you dance into the music until ending how long you can do head spins,
1: basically.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Cool, cool. How about you?
1: Uh, Well, uh, (laughs) I'm not trying to get into the Olympics, because it's... (laughs) 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 Uh, What I I, I, I had been doing a lot uh, before uh, all the lockdowns and so on was uh, trying to get into tennis, uh, uh, even though I'm an old guy for that uh, as a starter, but still uh, like um, half a year or so, uh, just uh, really intensively went to tennis trainings and played uh, with my wife and so on and uh, it will continue, of course, when, the, when when everything will be open again. And uh, also uh, a lot of time uh, spent in the nature, that, that's what give, gives the calmness and so on. And also you can take the kids with you and uh, and, uh, and spend some time uh, listening mm-hmm. to birds sing and so on. This is definitely one of the biggest hobbies I have
0: Yeah, especially nowadays when uh, you're working from home, sometimes limitless, it uh, makes a big difference to have such an opportunity to be somewhere outside in a calm place. Yeah, exactly. How did you start practicing text?
1: Uh Yeah, I was, I was uh, in the university uh, doing my Bachelor of, of Arts, you know. <laughs> it was a official term. I, I looked, in, look, looked it up in Google, that uh, Bachelor of, of Art uh, with a focus on law. This is a real thing. <laughs> okay. Okay. That. I was uh, writing, uh, like in the university each year, we had to write in the end of the year one like term paper or something in a certain topic. So in the first year, I just uh, wrote about uh, retroactive effect of uh, civil uh, law laws, like uh, how can... Uh, uh, retroactive effect be given into, into a law. Then second uh, year I went to criminal law retroactive effect. And third year uh, I searched for the topic and then now oh, tax law, very good. Uh, retroactive effect of tax laws. Then I wrote this paper and uh, my uh, tutor or the guy who helped me do it or was supervising, uh, his friend was deputy director of the tax authorities. And at the time there was a really, really big court case about the retroactive effect of some interest rates and uh, this uh, deputy chief uh, read my paper and uh, asked me to come to work with them because (laughs) it was was a hot topic and uh, court cases and so on, lots, lots in stake. And so, of course, I went and uh, that, that's how it started, actually from nothing, uh, just a series of coincidences.
2: of how about you? Yeah, I, I would summarize it that it's a logical uh, logical continuation of my career. So by by nature, I'm definitely not a lawyer type of a guy. I supposed to become uh, more of an IT guy or a physicist. <laughs> But physicist. Uh, But somehow I ended up in a law school. I practiced uh, several years uh, in a law firm where I made whatever areas, starting from criminal law and civil law to tax law and constitutional law and whatever stuff. And uh, then I kind of uh, understood that um, what I really like uh, is tax law because it's uh, it's, uh, technical, it's about planning, it's like playing chess basically. It involves numbers, stuff like that. So it got uh, got really interesting. And uh, the thing with the tax law is that the more you get into it, the more interesting it gets. Mm. So in our, in my prior law firm, I, I sort of start to develop the practice on that. I defended my PhD, but in tax law, but in Estonia, we don't have specific tax uh, education. In law school. So I was self taught a lot. And uh, yeah, as a full tax lawyer, my career started in Soraina. And how I got here, I was just defending my PhD thesis with my leg broken, waiting for a surgery. <laughs> and uh, Gary was uh, sorry about me. So <laughs> he called me to work in Soraina. <laughs> and this is I ended up here. And, and now I'm basically more or less full-time tax lawyer and supporting public procurement team. So this is, <laughs> this is my development, tax lawyer.
0: But uh, touching on this, what you mentioned about uh, that there is no education of tax in Estonia, I think it's a problem uh, for all the Baltics. I've heard that there was a, a, an occasion when the Estonian government was supporting with scholarships some seven, at least seven people to be sent to uh, learn, study tax in Leiden in the Netherlands, uh, do you know the story?
2: No, I don't know that, I think it was maybe before my time
0: that's a good approach uh, to develop tax uh, support for uh, the governmental needs. Not a big investment, considering that this is like top-level education.
2: The only thing after that, I guess, is how you how you keep
1: the persons working in the government.
0: Yeah, definitely. The, the
1: terms and conditions of being sent to light, and uh, <laughs> which you will sign. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Going back to the topic of our podcast, uh, tax stories. Is there a story that comes to your mind from anywhere from your practice? Movies, books, uh, whatever.
2: I have personally several stories every day, but <laughs> most of them look similar, <laughs> unless there are some some people who want to deal with uh, crypto assets and and uh, things novel things like that. So then it gets, of course, really you know interesting and finding new landscapes. <laughs>
0: what do you see from these crypto assets? Uh, do you see it uh, as a more like uh, Uh, some kind of scheme or and then the the possibility for for a shady business or really some emerging undervalued uh, possibilities?
2: I think that uh, crypto is here to stay so definitely it's not only a boom or something obviously as in a normal economy there is possibility to find ways how to not pay taxes there are fraudsters and so on the same is with uh, with crypto assets as, as Estonia became independent, you know, it was like a wild west here. So also in normal business, we didn't have much much of a rules and enforcement. So I think that's the time of uh, crypto assets maybe now or actually it's getting over. So I think it's uh, it's definitely an area where you should look into and you should, as a technical entrepreneur, you should be familiar with because... Uh, yeah, I think it's here to stay.
0: Tanel, do you have any story in your mind? For example, tell about this uh, Tenet, if you can. Uh, how how did this emerge? Uh, uh, in uh, in our Lithuanian office, there was uh, HBO Chernobyl. In uh, Latvian office, we are still waiting for some big names to shoot a movie. How did it happen in Estonia?
1: Well, this is something probably I will talk with you over a beer in uh, summer days, but not in, in a public podcast, unfortunately. Okay. The okay. thing is that uh, we had this talk with Warner Bros. that uh, they would rather not be associated with any specific law firms that they work with. What can we talk about? Is the myth of the Estonian tax authorities that are are they approachable? Are they friendly? Or is it just a big myth from start uh, from from the let's say beginning in the 90s and in the two, early 2000s? Uh, then. Uh, the Estonian tax authorities were, uh, like, well, let's say, accused of being political and, uh, and, and harassing, uh, harassing honest taxpayers, being uh, so-called uh, tax terminators that uh, <laughs> do everything they can to get the money out of the uh, businesses. But uh, it it has changed definitely over the last I don't know maybe uh, 20 years or 15 years maybe 15 years is better that uh, that the tax authorities have become uh, as they themselves say more of a, like a service entity rather than a uh, big, uh, big bad uh, tax auditor. Of course, this is not entirely true because there are tax audits still and so on. But still, uh, it seems to me that the uh, overall approachability of the Estonian tax authorities are uh, rather better than what, what I've heard about Latvia and Lithuania, that uh, there are people that are willing to discuss uh, with you s- certain like specific cases, give you maybe some hints and tips on how to uh, Let's say uh, correctly uh, declare taxes or correctly set up your businesses, so you wouldn't be in a, in a bad position. Of course, uh, this is not you know, true in all the cases. If, if there's some frauds or something like that, then then there there are like uh, different uh, <laughs> things they can do to you. But still, overall, uh, when a client has a problem or an issue or a question, then uh, we are really happy to discuss it with the tax authorities and get, get solutions, uh, where in other countries, it may not be that easy. That's, that's, that's my experience. It, it even started when I was working in the tax authorities in uh, 2004, I left. It was already getting ba- gaining pace, this uh, uh, approach of uh, being uh, more friendly to the taxpayers.
0: How do you explain this? What is the reason for being so friendly now?
1: Well, the thing is, when it started, it started with the with appointment of a new director general in, in 2004. It was a guy named Aivar Rehe, who is, has died unfortunately by now, but still he was coming from a bank and uh, he had the mindset of uh, transforming the tax and customs port to something better than it was. And uh, he did a marvelous job. He was a really good leader and inspiring and and that's where it take off uh took off and uh and uh, the, uh, his predecessors have remained in the same course. That uh, being business-friendly generates uh, generates more money for the for the budget than uh, being an asshole and uh, harassing uh, every possible taxpayer to the maximum extent. And I think it shows uh, also for the investments and uh, and uh, foreign investors coming here. They know that this is not the place that where they will be ripped off easily. Mm-hmm. I can add that I
2: think it's uh, it's a similar reason uh, what we can see when we see how the excise taxes on fuel are uh, risen and lowered, and if it's risen in Estonia, then Estonians go to Latvia to, to buy fuel, and same is uh, with vodka, of course. Estonia is so small country that if you are uh, if you are more of a, a police than a customer servicer, uh, towards foreign especially large foreign multinationals then uh, it can it definitely is a blocker if it's decided whether to build some kind of base to Estonia or latvia or, or some other country if you have so-called harassing tax authorities obviously the other other countries chosen and then businesses become big enough in Estonia I think if if the situation would be really bad uh, it would be an incentive just to move abroad. So if you're a small country, you just cannot afford that luxury that it would happen. That's sort of inevitable for, for having maybe more flexible and business friendly approach.
0: Well, what maybe be other changes in the tax authorities? Did you see uh, maybe some more uh, changes uh, regarding IT systems, uh, regarding transparency? What else uh, did you notice as the sort of improvement with the tax authorities?
1: Well, uh, the, the IT systems, of course, uh, are uh, top-notch uh, compared to other other uh, countries, even neighbouring countries, uh, the simplicity is, uh, is, is there and uh, really easy to use. Uh, this uh, Estonian Tax Board has this e-taxport system where we have clients that uh, help with compliance, it uh, it's straightforward and uh, really really easy and simple and, and also for natural persons too, to declare taxes takes uh, at best, best cases may take uh, just some minutes uh, just to declare your personal income tax return and uh, and everything will be calculated automatically the state also already has your pre-filled information of your salary and uh, Maybe some other uh, pro- uh, profits you have made uh, during this year, and all you need to do is click next, 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 and please make a refund to this uh, bank account, and uh, that's it. So mm-hmm. that's uh, that's uh, one big plus, of course. And they do a really lot of automation, automatization too in the, in the processes. For example, VAT refund for uh, Estonian companies that that have uh, paid excessive VAT the refund decision is made automatically. You just put in the bank account uh, number and uh, it, it's there, like in a matter of days, uh, and the decision is made in, in seconds. Of course, it's not true in all the cases. And some, some cases, of course, require audit. But uh, as the tax authorities say that 95% of the taxpayers uh, VAT taxpayers get their refund in five days. So that's uh, some statement. <laughs>
0: Wow, that's really cool. And besides for small businesses, uh, uh, they are uh, if they are using this uh, uh, automatic system where they don't need to understand anything at all, right? So basically, the taxes are deducted automatically for for those uh, small businesses. So they just just receive some confirmation what what taxes have been taken from the bank account where this income is coming right
2: this is actually for natural persons only so yes yeah, yeah. it's uh, i think uh, one bank is pro- enabling that service but uh, yeah it's now possible that if you're a natural person entrepreneur then you open a bank account you receive your service fees on that bank account and uh, basically bank pays the tax money to tax authorities automatically sends information to tax return and uh, and the entrepreneur just has to you know lie back and enjoy the money and that's it
0: mm, mm. from you i i have a feeling that it's not popular right now what's the reason because latvia is also considering implementing this system copying from estonians Again, and uh, <laughs> but, uh, I, I, I didn't feel uh, enthusiasm in your voice.
2: Well, the first obstacle was that after the law was introduced, obviously it needs uh, a bank who would provide that technolo- technology that the account could send information to tax board. And uh, we waited, I think, at least a year before First Bank was willing to invest the money there and make the solution so that it could work. And the the idea of of the account was that that the people who would not pay any tax otherwise, like uh, people who get paid in cash and that's it, they would start using this because then they would uh, sort of uh, uh, be be honest (laughs) Uh, in a very simple way so that they wouldn't have compliance costs. And uh, I think it just takes time for more and more people, start uh, start using that, and obviously it's for it's for only for small business. So if you
0: yeah.
2: become VAT payer, it's not uh, reasonable if you get money from a company service fee from company. It's uh, there's double taxation, so mm-hmm. so it's uh, it's not working for these uh, schemes.
0: Well, this is an opportunity to advertise Estonian uh, systems. Uh, are there any other? Uh, IT systems or, or something fancy that that you would highlight about Estonian taxation?
2: Well, obviously, we cannot go around our deferred corporate income tax regime, <laughs> right? <laughs> <Of> <laughs> so, uh, news for everybody, there is no zero tax in Estonia. It's 20% tax, but uh, we levy it on a deferred basis, meaning that you can reinvest
1: free tax, which is obviously a good thing. For many, many years we had this uh, statement in the memos that according to Estonian unique income tax system now we had to take the unique off uh, some years ago because of Latvians.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Now you made even the share option exercise period shorter than ours. So (laughs) you have one year, we have three years. Now we want to get our startups as well.
0: (laughs) Speaking of uh, which, uh, yeah, I was wondering how many unicorns you have for at least in Estonia? I think
2: it's five now.
0: How would you explain this emerging from Estonia?
2: Yes, yeah, Skype and uh, both and transfer wise, white uh, right now. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I think uh, we, we call it ourselves uh, Skype Legacy. So, that was the first. Uh, first thing and i think uh, estonian tech people saw that you can actually build something uh, great and global and it's possible so it motivates people a lot obviously our uh, government supports the technology and the government system a lot uh, because we understand that if you're a small country then the only way to become big is is uh, through tech so which which does not uh, recognize physical borders and I think uh, it's uh, maybe not the best example but it's like uh, coronavirus you know if the r is above one then it it spreads uh, exponentially so uh, now we had the fifth unicorn just a few months ago when people who sort of divested, they already say that they want to invest back to Estonia and build even more and more startups. So I think this is how it grows and gets even better in, in the tempo. So our estimation, I think, uh, is that uh, in 10 years, our GDP should uh, be like 30% from technology sector or it's, it's not even a technology sector but technology heavy sector or however to put it I think from business side uh, it's now developing uh, in great extent uh, naturally obviously country has its own strategy uh, One can complain on that a bit whether it's uh, like directed in one specific direction or is it too vague but, uh, but I think the business is now and then persons who have divested and now are investing back uh, these are real drivers
1: yeah i don't i don't also know that there would be some kind of special strategy for uh for making this thing work better just uh uh, what the government does well is they don't interfere too much with this natural progress and that, that helps a lot, at least our current government.
0: So Latvians always compare uh, that this and that is better in Estonia and this and that is happening in Estonia. How do you see Latvia uh, also its tax system and tax authorities? What's uh, the Estonian perception?
1: Well, uh, you are smart in a way that you copy the best solutions <laughs> from from, <laughs> from the best. Yeah, Actually, uh, in, in the last over, over the past last years, I've, uh, we have also compared ourselves to Latvia and Lithuania too, uh, in Estonia, saying that Latvians are doing this and that and this R&D and the stock option uh, issues that you do in Latvia to generate more business. And in Estonia, it seems like things have slowed down a bit of losing momentum. So. In that way, uh, at least I see that uh, Latvia is more, uh, let's say, uh, maybe actively thinking about uh, this, uh, how to do things better, uh, also with regulations and so on, when our guys uh, sit back and uh, relax in the government and uh, things have to evolve naturally than in Latvia it seems that uh, the government has also some ideas of how to how to move forward uh,
0: can you mention some good examples yeah the,
1: the, the la- last one in mind is this uh, reducing the uh, stock option uh, year limits and uh, making it uh, available w- more widely like uh, it definitely is, is better system than in Estonia when you want to give your employees some incentives uh, than in Latvia it's uh, much easier easier and much more, let's say, productive uh, to do it.
2: And tax-wise, uh, Latvia is true startup country, not Estonia. Wouldn't want to admit that, but this is how it is because uh, you provide salary tax incentives for startup companies and everybody knows that start- startup companies die because they do not have money in their first years. In Estonia, if an investor puts money into startup company, state wants to have 40%, 45% out of that money right away to its own pocket, not bearing any risk. But in Latvia, government is like investment agency. Like They say that, okay, we don't want so much tax right away from the salaries, but if startups bloom, then we get our taxes. That, that's true nature of uh, uh, investment, I think.
0: That's really cool, I can, I can assure you that uh, sounds good on the paper, but uh, <laughs> not, not so good on, in practice. Because uh, so so far it wasn't working until September last year, when uh, basically the Latvian government changed the rules and and at least relax this uh, this this opportunity to go get those tax incentives by startups if they can prove some uh, innovative idea. What are the major tax issues now discussed in Estonia?
2: I think the first issue is that there is a huge hole in our state budget, which must be filled somehow and obviously it will be reflected in taxation somehow so we will see how it will be reflected and what what new taxes we can see either some asset taxes car taxes something like that so i think uh, estonia has received some critics that saw that our asset taxes are like too low <laughs> compared to other world Uh, so this is the area which most probably sees some new taxes in the in the future
1: but right now it's kind of quiet on that Uh, right now there are more like practical issues as uh, not uh, raising the excise duties uh, as it uh, was planned and and stuff like that but nothing nothing too dramatical but i agree that uh, the hole in a state budget will be big in a couple of years right now we live on the loan money but uh but uh, like let's say in two years, then there's nothing nowhere to get this money from beside taxes. And uh, we've seen some uh, careful uh, suggestions already uh, from uh, upstairs, the government that we, we should think about uh, the possibilities of how to fill this hole. And there are not too many possibilities besides raising taxes or creating new taxes.
0: How do you see cultural differences between uh, Baltic states? Uh, uh, of course, if we are not that uh, serious, then uh, the thing we need to explain to foreigners sometimes is how to differentiate Baltics from Balkans and Latvia from Lithuania. But but if uh, uh, someone wants to invest in, in Baltic states, do you see how are we different for, for the outside investors?
1: Well, I don't know if uh, it's a kind of philosophical question. Are there any too much differences that the investors investors should take into account when coming to us. just uh, I, I think that the pure looking into the uh, tax system uh, gives you an answer, is it the right, right place to be? Uh, Estonia and, and uh, Latvia, from one hand, uh, With the corporate income tax system where you can invest indefinitely without paying tax or uh, Lithuania with its 15% corporate income tax and R&D incentives so there are pluses Mm -hmm. and minuses for everybody I think.
0: My perception is that uh, uh, Latvia is is the biggest uh, Russian-speaking community in the European Union that's uh, That's a plus and a minus and also with Estonians I, I have a feeling that, uh, like you said, it's it's quite, quite transparent environment. It's quite uh, uh, IT-developed environment. It's uh, it's more like even Scandinavians. It's nice to deal with uh, more relaxed and smiling uh, business people. Uh, even if I look at my uh, Estonian clients, the Lithuanians, I see more like uh, a little bit like uh, so sometimes there, there's a bigger competition, it's a bigger community it's a bigger market uh, at the same time they feel quite often is uh, the race to the bottom quite low profit margins and quite competitive pricings
2: yeah my experience uh, rather is that it, if foreign investors plan where to go it's not so much about the culture but but uh, the business sectors like if you want to invest into road transport sector then you don't invest to Estonia but obviously you invest to Lithuania which has like tens of times bigger market than is in Estonia mm-hmm. and, and if you if you want to invest into fintech then you maybe want to go to Lithuania because there are really trying to be first in the Europe on that. And if you plan to invest into general tech startups, maybe you come to Estonia. But yeah, it's really difficult to give a side view on that if you're in the middle of, of everything. So but, but in general, I don't think there are so many, so huge cultural differences that it would actually rock the boat for investors somehow and deciding where to go. And,
0: and if we speak about uh, these IT systems of the tax authorities and transparency there, has this also uh, resolved a lot of uh, these uh, tax fraud issues, Uh, how do you see the situation now with the tax fraud? Is it completely on the table or uh, still uh, happening?
1: Uh, It is of course still happening because the fraudsters are still uh, operating. These IT systems uh, maybe help to uh, track uh, down uh, some issues, but uh, they're not a magic remedy for for all the fraudsters because they still work. Uh, What the uh, tax authorities and the government are really happy is this uh, five or six years ago, they uh, introduced uh, this specific uh, annex to the VAT uh, return, where you had to really show you the transactions with a specific transaction partners, the the other side uh, would be also be seen. And uh, at least in the first years, they really banged the drum that it helped a lot to uh, grow the VAT uh, and reduce the uh, tax hole. But uh, it, it's been silent after that. I don't know how it affects. There are lots of lots of how they call it spiders uh, walking around uh, in the in uh, in different databases, looking at uh, looking at transactions. Be it uh, from uh, I don't know notarized deals or from commercial register or whatever, and uh, they can make these risk assessments. And based on that, they target uh, maybe more carefully than just regular audit. But this is uh, top secret, of course. How how they find these targets? I remember, like, uh, for maybe 10, 15 years ago, one guy left the Estonian tax authorities who was working on these formulas and so on and in his new company he of course started using these weaknesses and (laughs) it was about i don't know 30 million or something Uh, he got uh, back as uh, wrongfully with his vat returns when he was exposed so you you can imagine why this is top secret (laughs) because there are weaknesses i don't know what they did with this guy i haven't heard about (laughs) Probably uh, motivated not to do it anymore. (laughs) And what they did was actually change the formulas and change the systems a bit so you you couldn't do it uh, quite as easily as as it was before. And then then after that, I don't know what they did uh, to. I don't know, avoid uh, similar things happening uh, later on.
0: If we speak about tax disputes mm-hmm. in general, how do you see that area in, in Estonia? How are they normally resolved? Uh, I heard from you guys that there are not so many tax disputes in Estonia compared to
1: Latvia. Uh, yeah, we, you know the comp- comparison better, but in Estonia we really don't have very many disputes. I don't rem- remember the numbers, but the thing is that uh, maybe it stems from, uh, also from the same issue that we talked about that uh, you you can actually discuss it with the tax authorities even at the time of the audit that maybe we can find a solution that that we don't have to go to court Uh, so because everybody knows that when a thing already goes to court then uh, what the tax authorities have said the percent the win percentage win margin is uh, close to 90 let's say so Mm -hmm. nobody wants to go to court and the tax authorities don't want to waste resources too so when we can uh, find a solution before going to court, then uh, usually it's found. Of course, when there's uh, straightforward cases, then uh, then there will be court cases, but uh, usually things can be discussed, let's say.
2: Obviously, tax authorities always have to
1: look into these
2: topics uh, person by person, and uh, basically what they have to think is whether there is a person who needs to be brought as, as an example or not, so if you're like a really fraudster, then I guess you can see even criminal cases, but if you are not fraudster, born fraudster, then there is flexibility built in the system. Yes.
0: In the system, is there an opportunity uh, in the law that that, uh, in case, let's say, of a tax audit, there is a possibility to negotiate uh, the? amount payable to the state. No, no.
2: <laughs> but but the law says that there is possibility to agree in the bankruptcy procedures and uh, because, I mean, tax authorities, there's no point to, for tax authorities to go through the whole procedure if they see that uh, they can get very little or nothing, so compromises can save both uh, sides money and time. And and second thing you can agree are uh, certain approaches to evidences. So if there are different interpretations to evidences, then you can uh, sort of agree on that. So you cannot agree that we will not collect tax, which we have to collect, but you can agree that uh, Maybe this evidence do not uh, support tax, but this other evidence supports. And then you end up in a situation where maybe half of the initial amount is paid. So this is what the law allows to do.
1: So how it works. Yeah, it's not like that, that you make a deal on let OK, let's let's do it 50 50 or 70 30. But uh, we have to look at the evidence and see, OK, uh, let's say based on the evidence, uh, we believe that uh, these, this, this and this uh, uh, thing that you accuse us of, you don't have enough evidence, uh, but uh, for, with this uh, 30%, we agree that yes, you have re- re- all the evidence and so on. And then uh, it, it can be a bit of discussion that uh, how, where to put this line and, and that, that's how it works. But it always has to be like objectively like uh, substantiated why, uh, why uh, this kind of decision was made. We could just cannot uh, add up the numbers and uh, say that, okay, we were willing to be paid that much. I mean, of course, there's,
0: otherwise there is corruption case possible. Sure. But, but there is a possibility, assuming that the, the the tax authorities say that it's not not clear case, that in order to avoid the litigation, it's possible to to agree that that the company pays I I, I don't know seventy percent of what is. Uh, uh in the assessment
2: yeah basically you can have that kind of result for the negotiations but you cannot say that let's agree with base
0: in order to avoid this uh, fraud i heard that one of one of the measures in estonia is that uh, companies have to file Monthly turnover figures. Is that correct?
1: Which companies?
0: Any company in Estonia, besides
1: VAT return.
0: If, even uh. if you if you are not uh, the problem in Latvia is that uh, there is uh, one and a half years until the company submits the annual uh, turnover figures in the uh, financial accounts, and uh, and during this. Uh, this time a lot can happen and uh, a lot of uh, fraud ha- actually happens uh, they referred to estonia that uh, in estonia it's it's not possible because uh, companies are filing uh, monthly turnover figures but i can imagine that it happens uh, through vat returns not the
1: VAT return is as it is that you have to show your taxable supplies of the concrete yeah. month, and uh, that's it. And uh, in, the, in the annex, you have to show transactions with the concrete transaction partners, and that's it. You don't have to calculate really and uh, balance sheets and stuff like that. Uh, I have a company with no VAT
2: number, and I don't submit any returns. <laughs>
0: okay, okay. So yeah, shouldn't. But if, but but even if you if you do submit uh, the information. Sh- be public,
2: right? But they have, they have sort of a large database where they publish how much turnover their company has, has had, how much employment taxes there has been paid. So these are published on a quarterly basis. Yeah. So that kind of public database we have, yes.
0: This is something we don't have in Latvia. What is the line when a case goes to a criminal case? By law,
2: there obviously is, yes, because our penal law provides a rule and the non-payment of taxes is a, is a crime. So if it is intentional and if the unpaid tax amount exceeds 40,000 euros, then it is already a crime, but, uh, mm. it's, uh, very rare that you can see criminal cases in income tax cases. Basically, this provision is used only in VAT cases.
1: Yeah, but then also like big VAT, high profile VAT fraud cases where we have a regular company that has, I don't know, maybe uh, did some schemes even and uh, the amount is more than 40,000 and uh, then usually state doesn't go after them with all the, all the guns. But it can happen.
0: In Latvia, the threshold is 25,000 euros. In Latvia, recently, we have had several scandals regarding offshore companies. Is is that something on, on the press in Estonia as well? Especially if we look at the, the earlier times when uh, the country regained its independence, that many businesses were using offshore structures uh, to hide their profits. And only now some of those um, cases get some publicity sometimes. Uh, are there any similar scandals in Estonia?
1: In Estonia the biggest scandals were already in 1999 and uh, 2000 <laughs> after that. Uh... <laughs> After that, uh, the taxpayers are behaving better, and at least very big scandals, of course, these Panama Papers and so on, that was a couple of years ago, was also, but uh, there weren't any really high-profile names there.
0: And my last uh, question about taxation is: is what uh, what is your Estonian perspective to, about holding companies? Will they stay for pure holding purposes? Uh, there were Danish. Uh, ECJ cases in Europe uh, two, a couple of years ago about economic substance of such companies. Is that uh, I perceived as a problem in Estonia? Will the Estonian companies close those foreign holding companies or build economic substance or, or it's not uh, uh, discussed at all?
2: My feeling is that it's uh, not it's a real issue today, at least at the public level, or for tax authorities. So uh, usually Estonian holding companies are used to, to have something below them, some structure. And obviously Estonia is not too worried about that kind of holding companies. Rather, those other states where the structure is get worried about Estonia. And they may have their own approach to, to what the substance must be and what there actually is in Estonia. So in in that sense, uh, yeah, we haven't faced any major major issues or rip, even ripple effects from those Danish cases there.
0: So it hasn't been popular that Estonian operating business has uh, a foreign holding company and uh, Estonian. Uh, uh, other beneficiaries behind the holding.
1: Yeah, there is. Of course, these structures are in place, uh, but I haven't heard that uh, the tax authorities or the state has said that uh, we will do something about that. Of course, there have been some issues with uh, people uh, having Latvian holding companies, but these were rather emotional, uh, like uh, bursts from the members of our previous government that. Uh, Estonian businessman should have Estonian companies and not like <laughs> <laughs> yes. yeah. And of course, yeah. That wasn't really educated, let's say, uh, reasoning. Yeah. And from time to time, we have
2: also newspaper articles that, oh, Estonian company, real estate company has a Dutch holding company, and that must be a tax fraud <laughs> because we have a very beneficial tax treaty with uh, Netherlands. So it's capital gain from sale of real estate company is exempt in Estonia. So this uh, sometimes catches an eye. But, but then it's calmed
1: down again and said yeah. that, yes, uh, this is an uh, ordinary, normal business as it is all over the world that we have holding companies and everything is according to the law, according to regulations, everything is in order. And then it calms down again uh, yeah. to be to emerged be in a couple of years again. <laughs> Usually people have some
2: substance, so we are (laughs) at least so smart.
0: I really appreciate your time and and effort uh, in participating in this. uh, Any last words uh, that we haven't covered?
2: I hope Estonia does not uh, implement bad weather tax. That's my only (laughs) worry now. (laughs) Then we would be screwed. I
0: conclude all my podcasts with the, the traditional question on a philosophical note: on uh, what's the uh, meaning of life?
2: Yes, that's very philosophical uh, question indeed. So. You asked what I would like to leave behind for my children. So first task for me would be to have children. <laughs> so let's pick. Kind of
1: let's put some deadlines and uh, yeah. procedure maps in place. And uh... <laughs> yeah,
2: usually, yeah, if if I you can
0: whether... learn from a tunnel.
2: Well, it can go too crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, life is given for for a short time. So I think the meaning of that is that you should enjoy it as much as possible and spend time only to things which are worth for your time.
1: Same for me too, just enjoy the ride and make it as interesting as you can and and fulfilling. I have the same uh, meaning of life although I
2: don't have children yet.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I thought they would change it but definitely not.
0: (laughs) Nice stuff, guys, I really appreciate it. Okay, thank you. Okay, bye. 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 Bye Bye-bye. Thank you for staying with us and our fantastic guests, Tanel Moloch and Kaido Kunepos. Please remember that you can also share with the host your story. Just send me an email to textstoriespod at gmail.com and maybe become a part of the show as well. Stay tuned. Until the next time, goodbye.